messaging and marketing are a system in your business. I feel like so many business owners don't view that their message is a system. It's a system of how you talk about what you do and who you serve and how you're uniquely positioned. And then you apply that system to your marketing system. No one is bored with your business, but you. I'm Susan Bowles, and you're listening to Break the Ceiling, the show where we break down unconventional strategies you can use to save time, boost your profit, and increase your operational capacity. If you've been following along with the show the last month or two, we've been talking about maintenance mode. The idea that you can create a business that can kind of run itself. There are systems and processes set up so everyone knows exactly what they need to do. A business that can run in maintenance mode is a resilient business. If you need to step away for a few weeks or months, nothing comes crashing down. It's also a business that is prepared to scale. The same kinds of systems and tools that you would use to prepare your business for maintenance are the same ones that you would use to free up capacity and prepare your business to scale. And that means that spending time setting up repeatable processes and checklists and automation has a huge return on your investment of time and effort. And it means you can choose maintenance or you can choose growth and your business will be built for it. But what precisely do you need to do to get your business prepared for maintenance mode? Well, the first step is to zoom out to the big picture of your business. Maintenance mode requires strategy. You have to look at the end goal, what your business will look like, feel like, and run like in maintenance mode. That's what we've been talking about in the last few episodes. You have to assess the capacity of your business to handle maintenance. You have to assess your own capacity as a founder and what you want your life to feel like, look like. And then you need to assess whether your current business model needs to shift. Each one of those aspects has an episode in the feed where we talk about that. So if you missed any, I highly recommend you go back and check them out. The second step of preparing for maintenance mode requires you to think about your business as an ecosystem. You have to examine all the parts and pieces and make sure that they are individually ready for maintenance. Because in order for you to step away, every part of your business has to operate smoothly. If you throw a wrench in one part, it'll stop all the cogs from moving. That's what we'll be talking about in the next few episodes. How do you prepare each part of your business for maintenance? What do you need to consider and what are some tactics that you could use to help get you there? First up is Michelle Mazer. She's the founder of Communication Rebel, a messaging coach and author, and she's the voice in my head when it comes to my own marketing and messaging, telling me that Consistency is the key to success. So I think when most people think about maintenance mode, they, and certainly this is how I think about maintenance mode, is that we think about operations and systems and that sort of thing. But you really focus on a different aspect of maintenance mode, marketing, messaging. And I think that's an, an area where a lot of people kind of forget that it's an important piece of maintenance mode. So. Talk to me a little bit about why marketing, messaging, that's such an important part of prepping your business to go into maintenance mode. 
Oh, 100%. Because what I have seen when people want to go into maintenance mode is that they fail to think about how am I going to get new people to discover me? How am I going to nurture my existing people into becoming clients? And really, that's what marketing is. It's those actions that we're taking on a daily, weekly, monthly basis that lead our clients to work with us and messaging is messaging is what powers your marketing because it's knowing what to say in order to get new people into your world and move those people into becoming clients so you have to you have to have both because i always say that messaging plus marketing equals people primed for sales, and especially when you're going into maintenance mode and you're not gonna be as active in your business, you still have to be thinking strategically, how am I gonna get the word out about what I do? Otherwise, sales are going to stop eventually, and that's not what you want. No, we want, we want a repeatable system that happens. So, in your work with clients, you do a lot of work with them to get them into kind of a consistent message that they can focus on. Talk to me a little bit about this, the process that you use with them to get them something that they can repeat over and over. I wanted to point something out what you just said, that messaging and marketing are a system in your business. I feel like so many business owners don't view that their message is a system. It's a system of how you talk about what you do and who you serve and how you're uniquely positioned. And then you apply that system to your marketing system. And so for me, when I work with people, on their messaging. The goal is to get them to messaging that can power their marketing strategy. So what I do with my clients is I always first start with that, what I call an audience deep dive, like understanding who your people are, what they're struggling with, why they resist change, and getting into like the, the language they're using, how they're thinking about things, how they're, you know, how they're dealing with their day-to-day -day life, how this problem is impacting their day-to-day -day life. And then from there, I take them into the three-word rebellion work, which is their positioning, so that uncopyable message that they want to be known for and that others can spread for them. And once we have that, then we get to go into the fun client journey, which is all of my, all of my messaging is based with like free writing and just getting ideas out of people's heads and onto paper. So once we know their three word rebellion, their positioning, then we can formulate that client journey about how do we take people from strangers and turn them into clients and look at their perspectives and their frameworks and kind of package all of that messaging up with calls to action, uh, you know, 
thinking about lead magnets and building their email community. And then we move into signature storytelling because that's how it connects, like how we connect emotionally with people and knowing where our story fits in that journey you're taking them on. And then all of those raw ingredients inform your marketing strategy and what parts and the client journey itself tells you like, oh, if I want to gather leads, I need to be talking about these topics. So that is in a nutshell how I work with people to get to their repeatable message. And then we document all of that in what I call a brand message guide because it needs to be all easily accessible because that is really the Bible for how your business communicates. I love this idea of thinking about your marketing and your messaging as a system, because I definitely have to admit I am one of those people that it took me a very long time to start thinking about it that way. You know, I was thinking mm -hmm. about it always got, it has to be new and different and I don't want people to get tired of what I'm saying. And uh, how, how do I create consistency? And all of those things really didn't, it didn't click for me until I started thinking about marketing as part of my system. So I'm, I'm great with systems, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but I've always focused on other parts of my business besides the marketing and the sales and the messaging. So can we go a little deeper into how you see that working for people and you know your approach around kind of the systematizing of it? Yeah. Well, once you know what your key messages are in that client journey and you understand the people you're trying to reach and your positioning in the marketplace, then it is so much easier to apply that to a marketing system. Because really the way I view marketing is it has basic, marketing has three different goals. And every marketing strategy should have three different overarching components. The first component is, growing and being discovered. So what are the activities you're doing to grow your audience and be discovered by new people? And that can be your search engine optimization, it can be appearing on podcasts, it can be social media. The second goal of the marketing strategy is what I call engage, which is getting people to raise their hands and say, yes, they're interested in what you're talking about. So engaging with you on social media, signing up for your email community, answering your questions, right? Responding to emails you send, all of those little things we do to get engagement. And, you know, that is obviously doing things like sending emails regularly, nurturing people with your podcast or your blog content. And then the final phase of your marketing strategy is that offer right? You should be making offers <laughs> to the people that you've nurtured. So you could be doing that through sales conversations or your email marketing, advertising. There's lots of different ways to do that. But those are the goals of your marketing system. And your tactics that you use under each 
three of each of those three categories will look different for everyone but the thing that powers those categories and helps you actually grow the audience or generate the leads or make the offers is the messaging that lies beneath it and understanding like what do i have to say in order to grow my audience what do i have to say in order to get people to raise their hands and say like yeah i think i'm interested in what you're talking about and then what do you have to say in order to make an offer and start to sell so that's how the two systems really work together and how i view the marketing system overall I'm going to raise my hand and say I'm guilty of this too, but I think a lot of founders feel like consistency equates with being boring. Mm -hmm. So they don't want to be saying the same thing over and over because everybody must have already heard it by now and their audience wants something new and different. So I have a feeling you have a strong take on that. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you a question. Do you remember what you had for dinner last Wednesday? No idea. Exactly. If you can't remember what you had for dinner last Wednesday, how is anyone going to remember what you posted two weeks ago to Instagram or what you wrote up on your blog three months ago? No, they're not. No one is paying that close attention to you. And that need for, oh, I've got to be saying something new because what if my audience, you know, gets bored? they're not paying that close of attention. And if you really want to be known for your work, be referred to by other people for what you do, it's that repetition that's the key. And so for the business owner, it's really about how do you keep yourself interested? Or the way that I also like to think about this is like, how can I make less work for myself by reusing what I've already have? Because I feel like, especially with marketing, we're always on this content hamster wheel, feeding the Instagram, Facebook algorithm with new, 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 <laughs> and it's exhausting. So once you know what your key messages are and what to say and how to say it, then you can just start recycling that, repurposing that, and you spend less time on marketing, which is exactly what you want in maintenance mode. Yeah, that's actually the the mindset shift that I had to make was that, you know, figuring out a system, understanding what is kind of the minimum that I need to be doing, how do I need to be saying it, how can I repurpose things that I'm already creating that mm -hmm. was a real mind shift mindset shift that i needed to make so when yeah. i uh, you know it's been four years i think of scale spark and multiple businesses before that uh, that i had never sent out a consistent email newsletter for the first like mm. couple of years i wasn't even collecting email addresses because my philosophy was what am i going to do with them i'm not i know i'm not sending an email <laughs> so <laughs> why bother right now and the thing that made a shift for me was figuring out what are the pieces that go in my newsletter because the thing that was stopping me was always well I don't know what to write and mm -hmm. the thing that clicked for me was okay cool here's this section that's what goes in there here's this section that's what goes in there and if I want to do more because I'm feeling inspired or whatever I can but here's the system that's what has to happen and that was the thing that was 
that helped me get a lot more consistent with it because I know what I'm supposed to be doing now. Are there any other mindset shifts that you kind of consistently see business owners needing to make to get themselves on board with more consistency in their marketing? Yeah, I think one of the things, because that boredom aspect is so hard for entrepreneurs, business owners, because we're inherently creative people and we're idea generating machines. And so we're always like, oh, I can put this new thing out. And so one of the things is like, how can you use stories and examples and case studies and books you're reading to like get your core message across? So you're saying the same thing, but maybe giving it a different twist or example to keep it interesting for you, because that's the real problem is like keeping yourself in interested in your marketing. So anything I can think of to help people do it. I also think that structure, like understanding what your non-negotiables are for marketing every week. Like for me, it's like, yes, I'm going to release a podcast every week. That's what I do. And sometimes I repurpose those podcasts. I'm going to send an email or two to my my email community. And like you, I have a structure that I use every single time. And it makes it so much easier to send out that weekly email because I know exactly what goes where and then like you like yeah so revolutionary for me was just all I needed to figure out was what goes where yeah (laughs) yeah and sometimes like in some newsletters I do things where I like include an original thought like something I was thinking of sometimes I don't sometimes I'm like no I'm just going to promote the podcast this week that's all I have the bandwidth for so I'll promote that and then promote a podcast that I was on and tell people how they can work with me at the end and then that's it (laughs) It goes out the door. So making it as easy as possible for yourself to really get off that hamster wheel. Ooh, and the final thing is to pay attention to what's working. Like mm. we, you know, we don't do that enough. We don't go and look at like social media posts that performed well and think, oh, maybe I should use those again in the future. Tweak it a little bit. Send it out again in like a month or two. And because if it gets great engagement once, it's most likely going to get great engagement again. Looking at like how well our subject lines are performing and what people are clicking on in our emails, like. All of that is important stuff to start optimizing your marketing and experimenting with it. And I think for me, that's always super fun (laughs) to do. Hey there, it's Susan. If you've been listening to this interview and it's making you think about some of these issues and ideas, and you wish you could talk to some other real live business owners about it, I wanted to invite you to my free monthly roundtable, Dollars and Decisions. Once a month, I get together live with a group of amazing business owners just like you to geek out on money and operations and workflow and software, all that stuff that you hear me talk about here. The roundtable is kind of like a live interactive version of the podcast, so I would love to have you join me. No spaces, no hyphens, or you can just click the link in the show notes. Hope to see you there. The other side of that that I know has been important for me is examining when we're saying examining what's working to be able to eliminate things that 
aren't working. Mm-hmm. So you've tested them, you've given them a shot, uh, maybe not the right fit, maybe not the right place to spend your time, your energy, your effort. Um, can also be really empowering when you're trying to minimize the amount of work that you're actually doing. Um, So for me, I did like a couple of month experiment on Instagram, which I've always been kind of mm, meh on. Uh It's maybe too too, uh, not strong enough of a word. I really dislike Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I wanted to give it a shot. You know, I kind of had this gut feeling that a lot of the people... Um, that I wanted to work with weren't necessarily there. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I wanted to actually give it a shot and say, cool, you know, let me, let me at least test it and see if maybe my hunch is right. Maybe my hunch is not. Um, And we, we did, I, I didn't, but my CMO did. (laughs) So it's like, I'm not doing Instagram. If I have to actually personally do it, I'm not doing it. Um, but we we tested it and figured out is it worth spending time there and and after six months it so far not really um and so but that's really helpful information for me to say cool maybe it could work if it was a platform that i really loved like i think Mm -hmm. people that do well on instagram are people that like being on instagram yeah a hundred percent that's i'm like i love being on twitter and i've gotten actual clients from twitter so it makes more sense for me to spend time there because it's something I enjoy. I've gotten actual clients from it. Like that's a much better use of my time. But I wouldn't have known that without experimenting and trying to figure out, you know, is this worth my time? Is this something that should be a minimum thing that I'm doing every week? Yeah. And it does take that experimenting. I have this conversation all the time with my clients because, you know, they serve B2B people and they're like, I'm going to go on Instagram. And I'm like, "Mm." (laughs) like, are your people actually on Instagram or are they going to be on LinkedIn for you? They're like, oh, well, they're on Instagram. I'm like, yeah, but are they on Instagram looking at cat memes? and shopping (laughs) or are they actually looking for what you do and they're always like oh yeah they're they're gonna be looking at cat memes and baby pictures i'm like "Mm mm-hmm exactly so it is that mix of like where are your best customers coming from and the platform that you like being on because you're not good it doesn't matter how great facebook is for your business if you hate it you're not going to be there and you just need to let it go so what happened with Instagram is all of my business friends are in Instagram. <laughs> like it's where, yeah. you know, like old Facebook would have been like my friends are on Instagram. So I want to go and like support them. Yeah. And I get a lot of support from my business friends on Instagram. So it felt like there, it, it sort of felt like there was a value to it. Uh, but I don't, I don't actually, it didn't turn into clients or people buying courses or hiring me. Yes. Um, and so being able to distinguish like, yes, I'm getting engagement. Who is engaging uh, was another nuance that I really needed to pay attention to. And I think being able to run limited experiments and then let go of things that aren't working, mm-hmm. the letting go of is hard. <laughs> 
Yes, yes. And then there's always the gremlin in the back of your mind looking at what other people are doing and saying like, but look at all your friends on Instagram. Shouldn't you be there too? And then we put pressure on ourselves to show up there. (laughs) Like that comparison gremlin is very real. And that's another mindset shift is like you have to do marketing that works for you. And what works for one person might not necessarily work for you because it's not how you want to show up. It's not how it's not aligned with you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be doing Instagram lives every day. It would make me cry. But (laughs) I have people with similar businesses to mine who do really well on Instagram because they absolutely love doing lives Mm -hmm. and they're on live all day, every day because it's they think it's fun. Yeah. Um, So I love the the aspect of thinking about, you know, what makes sense for your business, but also what makes sense for you and what feels comfortable. Yeah, because if you if you don't like it, you're not gonna do it, no matter how good it is for your business. And then you'll just beat <laughs> no yourself up about it. No matter how systematized you can make it, you're, yeah. you ain't gonna make it happen. Exactly, exactly. So let's talk about kind of the the flip side here and talk about the kind of impact you see on folks who really manage to double down on this consistency. Um, Mm-hmm. Maybe even in your own business, you know, what is the impact for committing to that consistency and really following through with it? Yeah, it's interesting because one of the biggest impacts is that all of a sudden people start knowing about you and who you are and what your business does because you're showing up all the time with the same message. And so that makes it easier for people to refer you or when they need help with the thing that you do, they're like, oh yeah, so-and-so does that. I'm going to go to her website and check it out. So you, it, you become very top of mind. And then uh, then the, si- the other side effect is that people aren't confused because one week you're talking about um, systems and organizations and the next week you're talking about human design or something random, right? (laughs) So because it does take that repetition. And so it becomes easier to get clients, you get more inbound leads, more referrals, you end up being invited on podcasts for tips to talk about your expertise or invited for speaking. Um, I've seen some of my clients, once they really double down on their message and got consistent with it, they've you know quadrupled their podcast audience because it was a more compelling message, which means they were attracting more of the right audience and really growing the people who were finding them for the first time. So when we start doubling down on our message and our marketing consistency, it becomes easier to grow your audience, get more leads, grow your email list, and eventually get more clients in sales because you're consistent. And the other impact it has is I it just becomes easier. You're no longer sitting there guessing about, ooh, what do I need to say? Or committing random acts of marketing like, ooh, haven't posted to Instagram for a week, haven't emailed my list in the month, maybe I should send them something. Like, that's not strategic at all. 
<laughs> and kind of a waste of your time. up here on the random incidences of marketing because I'm super guilty of that. Oh, everybody's done that. Everybody's been like, oh, man, I haven't emailed my list in a month. Maybe I'll send them something. And it's like, maybe rethink that. Like, why are you like, what is that email for? What is its purpose for the person reading it? What's the purpose for your business? Because when you're just random, you're just like, I just need to stay top of mind with some something completely random that's not going to really impact your business or actually get people to remember you. So I am on board with all of this. And I am curious, um, I imagine the consistency of messaging takes a little bit of time to pay off. If you've been shifting your message or you've been shifting your offers, you've been shifting your audience, how long ballpark, you know, it's, it, I imagine it'll be different for everybody, but you know, how long do you have to be consistent before people start remembering you for that thing? I would say anywhere between six months to a year probably leaning more towards a year. Like once you find a message and you have that initial interest and that initial inkling that things are working, then it is time to stick to it. Because what will happen is when you come out with a new message, at first, like your true believers, your true fans will be all on board. They'll be like, yes, I am into this. I am for this. Let me hire you for this. And so there's this initial like, oh, people really like my thing. And then that wears off over time. And that's when we start questioning like, oh, is this really working? And it's just because we've hit all of our true fans, our true believers out there. And then it's about growing our awareness around among people who may know of us, but don't know what we're all about. And that takes some time. So pushing through and being like, no, it's not that the messaging isn't working. I just need to be consistent for a longer period of time in order to see this pay off. It is really a long-term investment when you're, when you're, when you're working with your message. Yeah. And I think in that dip between the initial excitement and the kind of this is the thing that I'm doing, it's so easy to question what you're doing. If it's working, if it's not, I should do something new. This isn't different. And that's where we see kind of you end up kind of ping ponging in your shifts of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that's really helpful to think about it in terms of like, a year, maybe two years of saying the same thing well, and being out there known for the same thing. Yeah. I mean, even for me, when I think about when I launched the three word rebellion, it's like initially, like, especially after the book launch, it like took off. Like I was booked out for months and then all of a sudden there was this lull and the lull lasted for Oh, probably a good six months. And it wasn't that I wasn't getting any clients or the book wasn't selling as well. Well, the book wasn't selling as well. I mean, it was still selling, but not as where it was before. And I'm like, ooh, maybe this isn't working. What's going on here? And I'm like, no, I'm in an audience gathering phase. Like I have to build awareness around this so that the message is spread. And now I'm seeing the uptick again of that consistency. But yeah, knowing that the dip is there, whew, so important. 
It is because that's like you have to remind yourself as you're going through it, like, don't break this. This is still the thing that I'm supposed to be doing. Stay the course. It'll come back. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's very hard to see that because then you're like, well, maybe I need to tweak it or maybe I need to do something different. And then you do something different and you get the initial rush again. But then <laughs> you yep. hit the dip. You're always going to hit the dip. Ugh. Okay, so if you were putting a business in maintenance mode with regard to its marketing, what are the minimums that need that people need to consider building in or making sure there's a system around in order to be able to kind of step away for a little bit? Yeah, I think the first system is making sure that you have your messaging down and that you know that it works. And that might take some experimentation. So start this before you want to go into maintenance mode. If you're heading into (laughs) maintenance mode tomorrow, it's probably a little too late and you're going to have to spend more time on tweaking your messaging with your marketing. Um, So starting there first and then thinking about what are your non-negotiables for marketing and what's the frequency. So even if you're in maintenance mode, how how often do you want to email your e- your email list? Is that twice a month? Is it once a month? What does that look like? And if you're still going to put out new content or even remix old content and put it out as new, which is totally doable, figuring out like what's the frequency of that and when am I going to do that? Or am I going to hire someone to remix what I've already written and put it out into the world? And then finally, thinking about social media. Are you doing any of that? And if you're not, how are you going, what activities are you going to be doing in order to get new people to discover you? Maybe that is just search engine optimization. So those blog posts that you're remixing, you're doing some SEO on them so that you're getting found by new people. And that's really how you're driving awareness of your business. So figuring out like what are those non-negotiables that you're going to be doing every month or once a week or whatever the frequency is for you and then making a plan to do it. Yeah. And I think the, the thing that I love about your perspective of marketing as a system is that you don't actually have to be stepping away from your business to really reap a lot of uh, capacity benefits from doing these things. So even if you're in your business all day, every day, having a system and being able to be very clear on what you're saying and what you need to do can alleviate your capacity and open you up for other things like more clients or, you know, different business development stuff or mm-hmm. guesting on podcasts or it, the the benefits are there to thinking about your marketing as a system, even if you're not thinking about maintenance mode. Yes, yes, because it does free up your time. Like one of the things that I did at the end of 2020 is I hired someone to go through my existing content and basically create social media hooks. And from the blog, from the podcast and blog posts I've sent her, I probably have 20 pages of social media hooks that I can try out from my past content. So for me, that's going to be a huge time saver because now I can just go into the 
to this Word doc and start pulling out ideas for social media. And it's and I know that it is on message because it's from my message. <laughs> yes, I love that. Mm-hmm. So is there anything you think we should talk about that we haven't touched on yet? Mm, that's such a good question. I do think it's just that reminder that consistency may be boring for you, but it's that repetition that helps people know what you do and how you serve. And repetition is what builds your business and, you know, drives clients to your business. And so don't be afraid of that. Embrace repetition. <laughs> yeah, I've been using, in, in my own head, I'm using the phrase radical consistency because mm. it makes me feel like I'm being rebellious by doing the same thing over and over. <laughs> yes, yes. I love radical consistency. I always talk about that in terms of Brene Brown because if you look at what she's doing, she is radically consistent. Like she knows what her message is. She knows how to relay it on social media. She knows what stories she should be telling. And she just shows up and delivers the same type of message again and again and again. I mean, she is very very disciplined with staying on message. Even as her work expands, she's so good at bringing her old message into the new work she's doing to keep up that radical consistency. Yeah, you're right. And nobody's sick of hearing from Brene Brown. (laughs) No one. No one. Like, I think about like her Netflix special. I was so excited to watch it. And it was all stuff I'd heard before. (laughs) There was nothing new in there. And why would she do something new? She's going to bring out her tested material for a Netflix yeah. special. Yes, absolutely. All right. So where can our listeners find you if they want to connect and learn more about what you do? All right. So the best place to connect with me personally is Instagram. I'm at Dr. Michelle Mazer there. And if you want to slide into my DMs and tell me what you took away from this episode, I would love that. And for everything else, there is DrMichelleMazer.com. And if you want a taste of what the Three Word Rebellion is like and how it can help you with your messaging, there's a free download to do that at ThreeWordRebellion.com. No one is getting bored with your message, but you. That was my biggest takeaway from my conversation with Michelle, that you as the person who is saying the same thing over and over, you're the only one you have to worry about getting bored. Everyone else is begging to hear more of the same stuff from you. Consistency is key in your messaging, in your offers. It builds trust, and it means that people will remember you and be able to refer others to you. But consistency in your messaging also means that you don't have to reinvent the wheel every quarter. It means that you know what you need to say. You know who you need to say it to and how you need to say it. And it means you can develop repeatable systems around your messaging, your offers, because they aren't constantly changing. While it might seem boring, it's actually incredibly freeing. And having a consistent message and consistent offers is the first part of being able to prepare your business for maintenance mode. You can't set your marketing to repeat if you have to change what you're saying or what you're selling every month. There is efficiency in consistency. 
Next week, I'm talking to my friend Allison Davis about creating a repeatable sales process to be able to put your sales into maintenance mode. Allison is my go-to for sales systems, so you definitely do not want to miss that episode. Hit subscribe in your favorite podcast player now so you don't miss it. And if you want to talk to other business owners about what tactics they use to put their own business into maintenance mode, come to the next Dollars and Decisions Roundtable. It's a finance and capacity strategy session for business owners like you. We talk tactics, share what's working, and troubleshoot what's not. Come join us. You can sign up at scalespark.co slash dollars and decisions, or just click the link in the show notes. See you there. Break the Ceiling is produced by Yellow House Media. Our executive producer is Sean McMullen. Production coordinator is Lou Glazer. And this episode was edited by Nick Fershaw. Mm-hmm.